0: and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your you life. You know, we're going to continue uh, this morning uh, talking about one simple thought expecting God to do something good. If you really look back over your life and you are honest, you will find no history where you could anticipate Him doing anything other than good in your future. There's nothing about God that has ever let you down even though occasionally we have been disappointed. It was not God that disappointed us if we really dissected, if we really paid close attention to it. But this morning I'm going to share a couple of points uh, probably towards the end if the Lord's willing in that direction. Uh, Two really strong points that give you access to God, whereby granting you more access to the things of God and the plans of God that He has for your house. But we're going to be coming this morning out of one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and if you don't have a favorite chapter in the Bible, I want to give you a favorite chapter of the Bible, Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 If you're not feeling so good In your spirit You crack open that leather and paper thing We call the word of God Find a way to Hebrews Look for the 11th chapter And then you begin to read all the places Where the Bible talks about faith And what faith will do For you and me as a believer But Hebrews chapter 11 We'll start in verse number 1 Gives us the foundational definition Of what faith is to the body of Christ in the New Testament the time that we're in right now. Hebrews 11 says, "Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. Now tells you when faith is. Faith is faith has a timetable best operated in and it's never later. Now faith is. It's not later faith is, it's not when all my bills are paid faith is, it's not when these symptoms go away faith is, it's not whenever he stops leaving his muddy boots on the floor faith is. The Bible says now faith is. That means you've got to make a decision all the time consistently and without a limitation or an end that faith has a timetable and that timetable is right now. Everybody say now. Now faith is. It is the uh, substance, the Bible says, of things hoped for. And I'm not going to bore you with the Greek, nor am I going to give you my East Texas uh, 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 pronunciation of the Hebrew words. But what I do want to point out is sometimes in our Bible, we need to get a little bit closer to what the original text said so that we can find maybe a little more depth than what's happening. So the scripture says, now faith is which means that's our timetable. So now faith is, we know it's it's right now, The, the timing of faith is the present moment that you're sitting in. The question is, what is faith? The Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the substance of things hoped for. In the Hebrew, that word is literally the concrete foundation for what you are hoping for. It is the bedrock of your belief structure. It is the foundation whereby everything else breaks and crumbles against it. If anything comes to you contrary to the faith in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, it will crumble because faith is right now and faith is the bedrock of everything you are hoping for. Which means when that prodigal son or daughter is out doing the things that they're doing and you get information that they are still doing that thing, that information is not the foundation that you base your belief structure on their future on. You base your belief structure on their future on the foundation which now faith is the foundation of what I am hoping for. I'm not backing off I'm not getting tired I'm not getting wore out I know if I am weak He is strong I know if I get tired He gives me rest But I'm not backing off On this thing Because you could tell me Any bad news You could come up with But it doesn't shake The foundation of my faith Because my foundation Is not what I am looking at My foundation is the substance Of what I am hoping for And now is the time That I refuse to believe Anything else Therefore faith is going to be my standard on which I stand and anything else I find is sinking sand. I have found a foundation. I have found a bedrock. I have found a platform to stand on and it means when bad news comes when good news comes he's still the same yesterday today and forever he is a soon returning king I'm not backing off and I'm not slowing down. This is what faith is. Faith is refusing to believe your circumstances will have the final say. Faith is refusing to believe your circumstances will have the final say. It is the bedrock, the substance of what we hope for. The Bible says it is also the evidence of things we do not see. Evidence is very interesting. Evidence is what is used to convict a jury or a judge that you are guilty of a thing. Evidence is what is used to convince a jury or a judge that you are innocent of a charge. Evidence is what is presented to try to convince you further that one thing is true versus the other. In other words, faith is not just your foundation. Faith is your proof as well. That means when you don't have the answer in the natural, faith is your answer. That means when you don't have all the pieces put together, faith is your answer. Faith is my evidence. Faith is the proof positive that what God said is going to come to pass. Faith is the one thing that separates us from everybody else because when everything begins to come against us, we still choose to believe that God is going to do something good in our life. Faith is our evidence, but faith is a choice. You can choose to believe your circumstances. You can choose to believe your situation. You can choose to look by faith and live by faith. Or you can choose to look at everything that that, that you can see in the natural. You can choose which way you go with it. But faith is not just something that becomes our bedrock. Faith becomes our evidence. For by it, by faith, the elders, the Bible says, obtained a good report. By faith, this is talking about the people of old that were in our new, in our Old Testament. They obtained God's commendation, or God's respect, or or good rapport with God through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Let me give you a, a, a little easier. Uh, digestible way to say that everything that you can see was formed from a world that you cannot see not the opposite so everything that is seen was formulated in the unseen world here's the reason you have to believe that you have to believe that because if the unseen world was formed, framed, or created by what we see, then you would have the ability to believe that God's creation is actually what created the Creator when in reality it is the Creator who is in the unseen realm to us right now that created everything in the seen world. Everything that was ever created was created First, in the unseen world, and then it manifested in the seen world. The reason this is so imperative to believe is because it frames everything else. Because if you live by what you see, you will have the results of what you see and those alone. But if you choose to believe God in the area of the unseen world, now you're putting a mandate on the heavens which draws the unseen power of God. In Into the manifested seen realm that you and I live in which means you can still have a bad report from a doctor but believe God that the report of the Lord will have the final say because things in the unseen world are drawn into the seen world when you and I choose to believe it but if you go the opposite way now you set yourself up for doubt and unbelief to show up because everything you can see has a termination has an end date but everything you cannot See is in the eternal realm Which means there was no beginning And there was no end Which means when you're tapping into the Eternal realm and you're pulling it Into the seen realm, you're pulling it into The natural, now you are tapping into Supernatural, eternal The supernatural, eternal power of God And everything is subject To the word of the living God We put a mandate On the heavens by faith We believe God by faith, faith is our bedrock, faith is our evidence, faith is a choice and if you're taking notes write this down, faith fills in the gaps, faith fills in the gaps. If you've ever, if you've ever hung sheetrock in your life, God bless you, I hate doing that, (laughs) but if you've ever done that you're going to have some gaps. And if you want it to look good, if you want it to look smooth, you're going to have to get some what they call mud. And It's not real mud but it, but it still sticks all over you. But you got to get some mud and you got to smooth it out. And it fills in the gaps so that what is actually there now looks like one part but in reality something had to be added to the equation for you to be able to see one piece. This is what faith does because throughout history there will always be questions. There will always be be things because we see through a glass darkly and we serve a God who sees the end from the beginning, who knows all things. So as we see through a glass darkly, faith is what smooths over all of the gaps in our life whereby we can believe that the world itself was formed by the word of God. In other words, I don't know how he made the sun, but what I do know is the sun was formed from the the unseen world into the seen world when the God of heaven and earth simply said, Let there be light. Faith fills in the gaps. It causes us to be able to believe what the Bible says in the face of any and all adversity or anybody that says contrary. Faith is the thing. You say well, well well, the doctor gave me a bad report and every time I go back I get another bad report and it's just, it seems like it's worse and worse and worse. What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to stand on Christ the solid rock and believe God that His word will not return void and you say but I'm not seeing anything. Well then get you a little bit more of that sheetrock mud and smooth the whole thing out and say I'm not living by what I see but I'm Living by faith and faith is what smooths the whole thing out and it fills in the gaps of all of my questions. Well, do we stick our head in the sand and, and, and just say, well, faith, well, well, you know what, we're just not going to get wisdom? Exactly the opposite. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There is wisdom. That, listen, the, the wisest man that ever lived, except for Jesus, was, was a man named Solomon. And let me tell you how he got wisdom he asked God for it. And God began to give him great wisdom. So much so that there was one lady, the queen of Sheba, who brought an entire, she brought an entire parade filled with gold and all kinds of stuff just to be around the guy because he had so much wisdom. So faith does not throw wisdom out the door. Faith is what fills in the gaps when wisdom is not working. When we don't understand, it's not that it cannot be understood, it's that we see through a glass darkly. If we could see the next level and the next stage of our life, we wouldn't even have the questions we have now. Think about when you're 12 or 13 years old and Billy sends you a note in class and, and it's like, hey, I like your shoes. They were probably Converse, they probably had the little thing on the side of them. I like your shoes and 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 you say well awesome and says hey will you be my my girlfriend check yes or no and you're like well yeah billy so you check yes and you send it back to billy and before it gets back to billy you look over and sally has the same note sitting on her desk and you're like and the first thing that crosses your mind is oh god why me and it wrecks who you are. Just a little kid. It wrecks who you are. And you and you have all these questions. But then sometime around 18, 20, 22 years old, your knight in shining armor shows up with wonderful hair and a green jacket and a black shirt and blue jeans. And you walk up and you go, that is the best ping pong player I've ever seen in my life. I won my wife showing off my ping pong skills. But it'll make it where all if you can see your next season, today's questions will be answered in what God calls due season. But it is faith that fills in all the cracks and crevices of the unknown. It is faith that fills in all of the issues and all of the circumstances and all of the situations. The Bible says, verse four. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, faith, he being dead, yet speaks. That's that's a reference to Genesis 4, where Cain and Abel, uh, they were brothers of Adam and Eve, they both both brought an offering to God. Uh, Cain brought an offering to God. From the fruit of the ground, like some vegetables and stuff. And God is like me, He doesn't like broccoli or anything like that. So <laughs> Cain brought some of the first and the best of his flock because he wanted to make sure God knew that he was number one in his life. And he wanted to make sure God knew that he he thought he thought of him not as second place or third place or the interrogation, but First place, and it was by faith that he offered unto God. And the Bible says that God respected that offering. And when God respected that offering, uh, Cain got mad because God didn't like Cain's offering, which was kind of flippant and very generalized. So Cain rose up and killed his brother named Abel. Has anybody ever heard this story? Just nod at me. So Cain killed Abel. And then the Bible says that God's walking, and he, he runs into Cain. And he says, hey, Cain, where's your brother? And Cain's answer is, 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 am I my brother's keeper? And the reality is, is God never asks anybody a question he doesn't know the answer to. He was just trying to see if Cain was going to be honest. And Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? And God didn't tell him this, but the answer was, yes, you are your brother's keeper. Uh, but Abel, God said, hey, listen, the innocent blood of your brother is crying out unto me. In other words, when you live by faith, even when you die, your works go forward. Even when you die, your works continue. When you live by faith, when you live by faith, that means what you're plowing now is going to be a blessing for your grandchildren. That means what you're plowing now is going to be a blessing for your great-grandchildren. That means when it's talked about you, and somebody gets on ancestry dot com, they're gonna find out some some. 250 years from now if Jesus tarries they're going to look back and they're going to say man I don't know why I'm so blessed I'm healthy I'm wealthy my children are beautiful my wife's beautiful everything's going well I don't know why I'm blessed and they're going to look it up and they're going to find they're going to say wait a minute somebody made a decision and that lifestyle of living by faith is still speaking in other words what I'm doing today doesn't end today now faith is but it's is it's not now faith is with an end point, it is now faith is, which means faith is present tense, but never ending. That means when you decide to live by faith, you are making a statement for the rest of your generations that determines that their life is going to be more blessed, their life is going to be better suited, all because even when you die at 120 years old with all the vision of a young man filled with vigor and life, even when you cross over into heaven, your works will still continue on ahead of you because your faith never stops. There's something about living by faith that changes situations and circumstances. There's something about living by faith that shifts everything. Now verse 5. By faith, everybody say by faith. By faith, faith, Enoch was translated. Translated means he went on to heaven. That he should not see death. He crossed over into the next, next dimension. And was not found. Enoch was also a man from the book of Genesis. The Bible says that he walked with God. And and King James says that he was no more. Because God took him. He was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. That he pleased God. So this guy walked with God. Got so close to God that God literally raptured him before the full rapture of the body of Christ, which this was a few, several thousand years ago. But this all takes place because there was a man who walked with God, who pleased God. So if we're going to please God, we need to find out how to please God. There's a really great song was written in-house, and it's called Crying Out. Uh, And one of my favorite lyrics, we sang it this morning, is, uh, I'm crying out for more of you and less of me. More of you and less of me. Because contrary to popular belief, in the body of Christ, in Christianity, if you can get more access to God and get more of yourself out of the way you begin to see the hand and the works of God coming to pass in your life in a more pronounced way and on a more pronounced basis because the goal of a Christian ought not be that everybody understand me, but rather that I understand him fuller. Because the closer you can get to God, the more you have an opportunity to please God. And the more you please God, let me just say this. When your Father in heaven is pleased with you, the opinion of mankind matters not. Enoch, the Bible says, was translated that he should not see death. You see, faith is our concrete evidence. It is our concrete belief structure that God is going to do something good in our life. It is the one thing that we believe above everything else that He is and that He's going to do something good. Let me give you a brief example. I have three children, and my children do a lot of things very well, but one of the things that they do is they break stuff really well. They break stuff at, 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 at a high clip, like, like, like if you gave my son a bowling ball, I would assume we would have pieces of a bowling ball soon. Not because he wants to break things, but because he's a little boy filled with fire and vigor and life. And I wouldn't turn him down not one degree if I could because it's so much fun. But there's something about a child that, 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 that there's things that will happen to and around a child that won't happen around you based off of a level of energy that they possess and a level of immaturity that they're in. Immaturity not in a place of negative, but immaturity in a place that it just takes certain times. I remember one time, I was about 16 years old, and I had this pickup truck. And, and if, if you were where I'm from, and you are 16 years old, and you have a pickup truck, life is great, okay? And, and I had to change. Uh, um, I, I bought a, a chip for it. And the chip, this was a long time ago, I bought a chip for it that was supposed to make it faster. Glory to the Lamb of God. So I bought this chip for it, but one of the things that, that had to happen is I had to change out something called the thermostat on the truck because now the truck was gonna run hotter if I didn't change out to a different thermostat. It just nod your head if you even know what thermostat means, so I'm not alone here. So I had to change out this thermostat, and the truck wasn't wasn't really that new. And and I got to the place and I went town ta- and I got one of the bolts out and there were two bolts and one of the bolts it's it froze up okay it seized It, it was it was in there and I couldn't get it out and so I did what I was supposed to do I called my dad and I said dad I said I said there's a bolt in the truck that I can't get out on this thermostat and and it's just so hard I just can't get it out and he said don't touch the bolt and I said, oh, yeah, no problem, Dad, no problem. So I got off the phone, and I thought, when I have that bolt out of that truck, he's going to be so proud of me. And I went over there, and I... I, 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 I Moved on it just a little bit and it didn't really move. And I moved on a little bit more and I said, Well, I'm just not trying hard enough. So I went and I got me a little bar. It's called a, called a cheater bar, if anybody's ever known. And I got me a piece of pipe and I, now I had it way out here and I went, Well, and I went boom. And I was like, I got it. And then all of a sudden the wrench fell over and I realized I had sheared that bolt off flush in the top of the engine block of my pickup truck. For all you ladies and anybody who's never touched a wrench, that's like the worst thing imaginable. So now I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, well, this is not so pleasant. And 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 I thought about calling dad and I was like, no, I'll just wait till he gets home. And so he got home and he goes, he goes, All right, let's look at that bolt. I was like, yeah, let's look at it. And he goes over there and 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 he looks and he goes, Did you break the bolt? I said, It's broken. (laughs) Somebody must have come in here and I said, Yeah, Dad, I broke the bolt. I said, "It, it came off of there. Well, I wasn't trying to break the bolt. It was just a season of life where you, you're just really motivated. You got a lot of energy. So this is where my kids are. They, they, fortunately, none of them drive cars yet. So what they bring me is like, like one, one, one of them brought me the other day. They brought me a necklace. They said, Daddy, my necklace is broke. Uh, and, and they just hand it to me. And they, just, they don't expect me to like break it into a million pieces. They expect something good to happen when they hand me something broken. You see, they, they, and they gave me this. I'm, I'm going to show you this because this is one of my favorite things in the world. They gave me this. It says, Dad's Repair Clinic, open 24-7, skilled in fixing broken toys, mending broken hearts, patching skinned knees, building character, repairing hurt feelings, pay with hugs and kisses. Oh." But what's interesting is they never come to me and ask me how I'm going to fix it. They just expect when they hand me something broken that I'm going to give them back something better than its current state. You see, in Christianity, faith is our bedrock. Faith is our evidence. Faith is a choice, and faith fills in the gaps. But we've got to get to the place where we quit worrying so much about how and just start worrying about believing that he's going to do what he said he would do. The last verse I'm going to read this morning. Well, let's read five again. Enoch was translated that he should not see God and was not found. He went to heaven because God translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Which creates the question, how did he please God? Verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Yes, sir. You cannot please God without believing. If my kids brought me a bunch of broken stuff and, and handed it to me and said, I know you probably can't fix it, but here, Dad, I would probably still fix it. But it's nothing like when they walk up to me and they say, Dad, if anybody on the planet can fix it, I know you can. Can you please fix this for me? I'm like YouTubing how to fix stuff, trying to figure out how I'm going to do it because they believe in me. How much more so does our Father in Heaven, when we bring Him our issues, when we hand Him our broken heart, and we say, "God, I know You didn't break it. I broke it. I messed up. But if anybody can fix it, I know You can fix it." See, you can't please God any other way. You can't come to. ah, I love this. This this is it. This is the two part recipe. This is it right here. The two part recipe for receiving more of what God has for you, for experiencing more. It's impossible to please God without faith. For he that comes to God must. Believe. Anytime you see must in the Bible, anytime you say have to or shall or or, or any of those words like that, it means it's a command. He says if you're going to come to God, you have to come to Him this way. You can't come to Him how you want to come to Him. If If you want to drive to New York City from here, you cannot go south. You will not make it. If you go south, you will not make it. You can't decide how you come to God. God decided how you come to God. You see everything that's in the unseen world is what created the seen world. We are not creating our own avenue to him. We are trying to determine what is the avenue that you have laid out for us and then we will follow that we will follow that path. If you're going to come to God, You must believe. You must believe two things. Number one, you have to believe that He is. You have to believe that He is. Now you're here on a Sunday morning, you believe God exists, okay? But you can't come to God being like, you don't exist, but I'm going to pray to you anyway. The door is locked. If you're going to come to God, you have to believe that He is. Do you remember when God met Moses through the form of the burning bush? And Moses says, who should I tell them sent me? And God said, I am that I am. I am am is a present tense participle. He is is a present tense participle. Now faith is present tense participle. If you're going to come to God... You have to believe that He is, and He is right now. Which means He's not surprised by your circumstance. He's not surprised by your situation. It's not Him that's throwing shame and condemnation at you. Now His Spirit will convict you. And thank God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But all those other things, those are self-inflicted. Or sometimes thrown at us from the enemy. When we begin to believe that somehow God doesn't care. Somehow God is not interested. No, if you're going to come to Him, you have to, you must believe that He is. He is right now. In your situation Right now on the throne Right now ready to move on your behalf Right now ready to answer your prayer Right now ready to take you from glory to glory Right now ready to push you to the next level Right now preparing a way for you Right now preparing a place for you Right now getting ready to change that sickness Into a testimony of healing Right now shifting Right now changing and mending the heart of that prodigal son or daughter He's right now working on the half I said, I don't see it. Well, everything that you see comes from the realm that you can't see. If you're going to come to God, you have to believe that he exists. Number two, I love this. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you're going to go to God, he that cometh to the Lord must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I got a good friend of mine. He's been a great friend of mine for almost 20 years now. And I called him the other day and he said, man, how's it going? I said, man, you know, God's so good. You know, here's the last year of my life and I just kind of said it. He goes, well, the Bible's true then. I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him." I don't know if I'm the best at it, but I can tell you my life has been filled with diligently and consistently seeking God. And 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 here's how it happens. Because and I say this, I say this just because I, I want you to get a picture of it. It's not like. You, and it can happen this way, but it's, this is not the standard that I've seen with the people that I know and respect and trust, including in my own life. It's not like you're just going, and then you run into a pile of, of like, everything's good, and you're like, oh, wow, everything's good from here on in. That, that's not how it happens. It's like you're going... And you're just walking and and somehow or another, God just translates you from the life that you did have into a new life. And then you look and you go, man, he is rewarding me constantly everywhere I go. And then you turn and you look back and you go, what would my life have been like without him? If you're going to come to God, you have to believe. You must believe that He exists. You already got that. So check, we're there. But number two, you have to believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. In other words, if we could just say it in 2017, you have to believe He exists and then you've got to expect God to do something good in your life. Stand to your feet, please. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, posture matters. I had a, my grandmother, she was, she was uh, interesting. But, but a lot of the things that, that, that she didn't allow, like we don't even think about nowadays. Like if you ate dinner at her house, which we did two or three times a week. We ate dinner at her house. You did not put your elbows on the table. You didn't sing at the table. I don't know what that was about. You didn't sing at the table. You didn't hum at the table. And you didn't put your elbows on the table. Because to her, your posture was important. With the Lord, it's the same but different. Your posture and how you approach Him is critical if you're going to experience who He is. You can't go to God if you don't believe he exists and you can't go to God if you're acting like he's the one causing the problems. You go to God expecting him to do something good in your life. If my kids came to me with a, with a broken toy and, and, and said to me, they were like, here, Dad, you probably don't want to fix it. You, you probably can't fix it. You're probably not smart enough to fix it. You're probably the one that broke it anyway. But here's my thing. If it be your will, if you would, please fix my remote control car. Let me tell you what's happening to the remote control car. Oh, thanks, baby. Boom. Have a nice day. Because posture matters. When you come to God, you can't put Him in the category of the problem. He's always in the category of the answer. Two-part recipe. Number one, you have to believe He exists. Number two, you have to expect God to do something good. Bow your head, please. If you're here today and you're not right with God, we want to pray with you. Say I'm not living right, I'm not doing right Jesus is not Lord of my life Maybe you were convinced that God doesn't like you Or God is angry with you That is not true All of his anger and frustration with his creation Was extinguished through the death of his son Which paid the price And now the father does what the prodigal son's father did He is staring down the road Hoping that today is the day when you turn to him And when you do You will find him wrapping you in his loving arms forgiving you and making sure you know you have nothing that he will not cover and no shame is allowed to stick to you anymore because the blood of Jesus washes your sins white as snow if that's you and you've never said yes to Jesus or you say this you say you know what I used to walk strong with God but I'm backslidden I'm like the prodigal son and I want to come home if that's you you fall into any one of those two categories we'd love to pray for you When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're just saying, oh, God, remember me. And he really will. One, two, three, lift it up, tall and bold. I see that hand. Thank you very much. I see that hand. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else? I see that hand. Thank you very much. We'll wait just a moment. If that's you and you say, man, preacher, I don't know why, but for some reason I I just haven't looked as God, as somebody who wanted to do something good for me. That's what he wants. He's a rewarder. If that's you, just lift your hand right now. We're going to pray in just a moment. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say, oh God, I come to you now, and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian now, on my way to heaven, completely forgiven. I am unashamed, and I am expecting God to do something good in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Give God a big hand of praise. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.